In today's episode, I'm joined by someone who has a very holistic view of the instrument. He's an extremely well-respected player, teacher, and customizer. Having studied the construction of the harmonica in such great depth, he's been able to discover some awesome ways to improve the instrument. He is the fantastic Richard Slay. All right, so Richard, uh, good to see you today. Thank you so much for, for joining me for a, an episode of the, the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. And uh, thanks for inviting me. I'll... Uh, uh, Happy to be here and uh, let's see what we can get into. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we're not going to get into absolutely everything that, that uh, we could do because uh, we, we did a Q&A recently over in the school and uh, I think there were there were still hundreds of, of questions left because um, there's there's just so much to talk about. But uh, let's let's just start with with a little bit of uh, uh, your kind of background and, and, and maybe kind of before we go back in time, let's let's chat about whereabouts you're based and uh, what what's been happening more more recently. Well, let's see. I, I live in central Pennsylvania. I live outside of a college town called State College. Um, the town I live in is called Bullsburg. Um, it's a nice area. Central Pennsylvania is a, uh, just a really scenic area. There's some great hiking trails. Um, and I, I grew up not far from here. My hometown's only 24 miles away. And, um, you know, I'm starting to gig again. I actually have a gig later today. Uh, it's the first real gig. I mean, I mean, that's more than just getting on a stage for like two numbers. Uh, so I'm going to be playing for three hours with a friend of mine um, at a restaurant. We'll be outside. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, just uh, trying to keep myself, you know, up and at them as we make our way through this nonsense. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's great to hear that you're gigging again. Uh, that was going to be my 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 next question, and that's uh, uh, fantastic. You must be well. Everyone I know in the music world is super itchy to play. Uh, you must be feeling that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's been way too long. You know, I really miss it. And, uh, you know, it's, can't wait to can't wait to get going at it again. Is there is there anything you've been working on during lockdown that uh, that you kind of want to pull out uh, at the gig? Any kind of new tricks that you've learned or new styles? Uh, not quite. I started working on playing the chromatic uh, in in all the different keys. Uh -huh. and that's nowhere near ready for prime time. I I, I don't need to. I don't, I don't need to make a fool of myself <laughs> the audience with that, but I've, I've been enjoying that. And um, uh, I'm going to be recording some Irish music with a friend of mine who's a really good fiddler. So I've been working on some new tunes uh, that, that we're going to collaborate on. And um, just digging a little deeper into theory and... Um, that, you know, that's mostly, you know, the, the, the chromatic started making me think more about theory. And then I started applying the ideas to the diatonic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you just, when you go 
play different music and come back to what you were doing before you, you get new ideas. Definitely. Yeah, I was reading about you uh, practicing chromatic in all 12 keys. And uh, I'm, I'm completely blown away by anyone trying to do that, because uh, although the chromatic is fully chromatic, there are some keys that uh, it, it lends itself to better than others. And uh, yeah. <laughs> some that it's really not, not very helpful for. What, what, what was the motivation behind doing it? Um, well, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to start learning jazz music theory, and I don't really feel like, didn't feel like going there on the guitar. I, I'm more, much more of a rhythm guitar player mm -hmm. than I am a lead player. So I thought, why not try to do it on, on the harmonica? And it's like, and I knew better than to think I was going to explore it with overblows because it, it's, uh, they're just too, um, they're too awkward. Mm -hmm for uh, a lot of tunes that, that, that I'm interested in doing. Uh, I mean, I, I, I use them, but I figured it, it would just, it would just give me a, a, a challenge that I'll never outgrow. Mm -hmm. Fair. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I took a lesson with Philip years and I took a lesson with Rob Paparozzi and both of those, People uh, are uh, play some really cool stuff in the chromatic, and I just want to be able to play. Uh, I want to be able to play some standards, and um, you know, years ago when I went to a spa convention, I was super inspired by Charles Layton. Um, just the the tone that he got on uh, pre-war. Uh, 280, the four octave mm -hmm. harmonica. And, you know, I just think there's, there's some really, really gorgeous uh, sound that you can get out of that instrument, especially in the lower range. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, and you can also play classical music and, and, you know, and of course you can always play third position blues. Yeah. You know, that's very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I similarly started working on chromatic during lockdown, but I, I was just looking at uh, uh, second and third position playing. Uh, and and then, then we had a baby and it all went out of the window. <laughs> but I, I will be revisiting it because uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you, you've also been working on some some kind of new uh, educational projects as, as well, not just uh, the playing uh, do you want to chat a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, I started a, a, a harmonica school called Ultimate Harmonica. Um, and it is, uh, I have at this point, I have the, the, uh, the free beginner course up. And it basically takes all the ideas that, that I, I use when I first start working with people. And the stuff I wish I'd learned when I first started playing, uh, use uh, the, 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 the breathing, the train rhythms. Uh, I teach the train rhythms uh, with, with just breath control. I don't use the, uh, the tongue articulations. Uh, or, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm doing more. And that's all throat and diaphragm. Mm -hmm. Articulation, and mm -hmm. so learning to do that 
I, I, my approach is to build the tone up from the diaphragm to the throat, and then from there to uh, the way you mo- use your tongue. Interesting. To uh, create different, um, pit, uh, not uh, tones. Mm-hmm. So just uh, thinking of it as a tone control, uh, it's, it's a lot more obvious than a G harp. So, you know, two. And working, learning, you know, we're using the train rhythm as a way to, to, uh, to work that and also with the metronome to develop uh, timing. Excellent. Yeah, I think the, the, the train rhythm is one of those things that I think everyone starts with and then just thinks they can just, you know, do it for the first couple of days and then move on to bigger and better things. But everyone I talk to, you, Joe Felisco, uh, Philip Yers, they're all like, yeah, the, the, the train rhythm is, is a killer exercise and you've got to keep doing it. And it's good for, for tone and breathing. And it's, it's yeah. really powerful stuff um just just so anyone listening uh i anything that uh, we talk about uh like the ultimate beginner harmonica course and things like that they'll be linked up in the show notes uh below so uh, don't forget to click through and look at that um so uh let's let's go back and 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 kind of chat a little bit about your origin story um so i i, I wanted to know if if you kind of came from a, a musical family or was it something that you uh kind of gravitated towards yourself um and my family wasn't particularly musical uh but my my mother uh did make it a point of having uh, some really good classical music in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was, uh, you know, I grew up hearing a variety of music around me. Uh, I grew up in a coal mining town and there was a lot of country music on the local radio station. And I, so I heard a lot of the classic old country music Um and I took piano lessons and guitar lessons when I was a kid. Uh, the piano, I took piano lessons for a while with a concert pianist, but then he left town and I couldn't find anybody who would work the way he wanted, the way he was working with me. And I lost interest and, and I had a guitar and I had a great uncle who played a harmonica. So I heard some harmonica early on, a tongue blocking style, and he also played a train imitation. So I had that in my ear when I was a kid. And I kind of circled around to back to it later on. But at first, I was mostly playing like Dylan tunes with harmonica on the rack. Mm -hmm. Uh, My first year in college, I started listening to Sonny Terry. And then at that point, the combination of having my mind blown by the classic blues harmonica players. Plus, uh, if I went to a party with a guitar, there were already four other guitar players who were mm-hmm. way yeah. better than me, and I couldn't get into a jam edgewise. But once I started noodling around, once I started finding stuff on the harmonica, I started finding that I could get into jam sessions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it became an obsession. And I just tried to do everything on it. Anything I heard, I tried to play, uh, whether it was on a harmonica or not. Mm-hmm. I collected records and 
I, I discovered uh, Charlie McCoy, and I, I discovered, um, you know, like I said, all of the all of the great harmonica players, Little Walter, Big Walter, um, you know, Junior Wells, all those folks. And nice. there was just no turning back at that point. And and did you did you have people like your uncle who kind of helped you along the way? Did you have mentors that uh, kind of pointed you in the right direction, or did you have to kind of find it yourself? I, I was just self-taught almost mm. entirely for a long, long time. And um, but I started playing with bands and um, I would sing a little bit and I would play a lot of harmonica. And I just learned to figure out parts for all kinds of music. I played mm. in a trio and we were playing like Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and the band and uh you know stuff like that and i would just find parts i would just you know like a lot of just little motifs and stuff in the background and then of course when they played a blues i could cut loose more mm -hmm. but but we did stuff like you know like daniel dan uh, daniel and the sacred harp you know uh and you know, just I, I i really didn't know what i was doing but people seemed to like it so i just kept at it Mm -hmm. This this seems like well it it's it's clearly a personality trait the uh, wanting to delve deep and um, kind of experiment and uh, uh, kind of see what you can discover because I, I I know that you you spent quite a lot of time uh, delving deep into the construction of the harmonica and uh, and trying to sort of understand how how everything works in it and then try to trying to improve the the basic design of it um so like what what how how did that whole thing get started and, and what what did you what did you end up doing with it well uh, i started getting really uh frustrated with there were things i wanted to play that i couldn't find on the diatonic i tried to play the chromatic but it drove me nuts it, it, i didn't like the sound of it and uh and, uh, you know, the wind savers and everything, it, it was just, uh, I just couldn't get into it. And I started saying, why can't you bend the blow notes on the low end? Why can't you bend the draw notes on the high end? And um, nobody could give me a good answer. And it just became this quest. And in 1984, I went to a spa convention in Romulus, Michigan, and I went there with that question on my mind. And it was like, okay, uh, this, is, this is why I'm here. I'm going to find out. I ended up at a banquet table with Chamber Huang, who's the guy who designed the CBH 2016 harmonica. Uh, he was uh, associated with Honer at the time and then started his own harmonica factory later on. But Somebody else at the table brought the question up. I didn't even bring it up. Uh, and, and he explained how the two reeds work together to give you the bends mm -hmm. and why the bends are different on a, the single note bends are different on the chromatic. He explained the whole thing. I went home and I just started making drawings over and over and over again of how I could use that idea and I came up with this, okay, so you need an extra reed. So you need four reeds, and then you have to have some way to, um, some kind of one-way valves. 
for a, a pair of blow reeds and a pair mm -hmm. of draw reeds. And I finally hit, one, you know, I mean, I, I, I hit on this. And, and then uh, about a week later, I'd taken a, uh, some a zona saw, you know, this real uh, like model maker. Yeah, tool. Yeah. And I cut a bunch of reed plates apart and I made my own one-way valves out of um, uh, like tissue paper that I, I put uh, silicone in it and, and they were like this and they would open up and close. And then the other mm -hmm. one was in the other direction. And I made a single cell and I got it and it worked. And then I was just like, this is it. <laughs> and then I spent uh, the next few years refining it, trying to write the patent, uh, building prototypes, most of which worked terribly. Uh, I was trying to do it without traditional wind savers. And that turned out to be the reason why I never could get anything together. <laughs> you know, Rick Epping, who designed the XB40, used traditional wind savers. The only ones I made that actually worked right were when I used some form of regular wind savers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to make a long story short, I, in the process of doing this, I ended up tracking down Joe Felisco. And I went with him with a whole box full of these prototypes and everything. And I was playing them for him and telling him what I was doing, explaining it all and everything. And, you know, he thought it was really interesting, but, uh, you know, and we became friends and uh, he ended up getting me going in the, the harmonica customizing business as a, so that was a side effect of mm -hmm. trying to build this, uh, you know, harmonica. And, and in the meantime, Rick Epping got the patent and it was all over and, uh, you know, and then I started meeting Will Scarlett, who had the original idea and then connecting with people like Pierre. Well, all along, I had been talking to Pierre Beauregard. Have you, mm -hmm. you ever heard of him? You know, I've heard the name, but I, probably from reading stuff, stuff that you've written or, or stuff about your journey. Yeah, Pierre Beauregard was one of the people that started the Cambridge Harmonica Orchestra. Okay. And he uh, was uh, collaborating with Magic Dick. I mm -hmm. uh, used to do sound for the Jay Giles band. Right. And, uh, you know, so he and, he and he played some incredible, I mean, he's an incredible diatonic player. And they invented all these alternative tunings. And he could play like Charlie Parker heads on the diatonic and you know he'd have the yeah. bebop tuning and this and that and and that all of the draw notes would bend and uh you know i'd get on the phone with him for hours mm -hmm. and and then he was the guy that broke it to me that uh rick epping got the patent and he was like rich i think you better sit down you know it was like this i'm in philadelphia and you know, I've been grinding away, making a new mouthpiece with Joe's, Felisco's help. And, you know, he tells me this and it was like, okay, uh, I guess that's the end of that. And, uh, you know, and then I just uh, started moving on from it. You know, mm. I mean, I, I'd actually had a prototype that worked pretty well. I'd played it in some contests and some other stuff, recorded a little bit with it. But, you know, it was just time to do something else at that point. 
It, it's really interesting though, because there, there, there clearly was like a, a lot of a lot of movement around this time for people trying to improve the harmonica, you know, the diatonic harmonica. What, wh why, why was this all happening? Why were people all trying to work on it at the same time? Um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, an idea starts to get in the air. And, you know, Brendan Power discovered the same idea, you know, mm. in probably Australia or, or no, he lived in New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, yeah, New Zealand. So he, uh, so he independently discovered it. Will Scarlett, me, there's another guy uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe, I can't remember his name, who also independently came up with the basic idea and built harps and was playing them. Um, and, you know, the, the people had started to experiment with the overblows, you know, Howard Levy was coming out. And there was also just a big push to do uh, th that at that time, the uh, there was a, a, a lot of interest in, in harmonica in general. And people were very frustrated with the, the quality of the Marine bands at that time. Mm -hmm. They had, Honer had changed the uh, dies and they, there was a little bit uh, more uh, room in the slot than was ideal. And people were, uh, so it was, people were looking desperately for anything that would play like the pre-war pre Marine bands. So that became like the Holy Grail. And that's where, you know, like uh, Joe and I came in on the scene, upgrading Marine bands to get them to, to play uh, even better than the pre-war Marine bands. And yeah, so it was like, a, there, uh, I think it was a confluence of all these different people coming up with this this idea for the harmonic, for the uh, this patent, for this uh, harmonic, you could bend the notes blowing or drawing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Howard Levy comes on the scene, blowing everybody's minds with what he was doing. And uh, people are like, yeah, I want to do that. So there'd be a whole generation is now looking for harmonicas that are upgraded to the point where you can play the overblows and overdraws easily. So there's a big demand for that. And for also, how do, how do you do this? How do you do this? And, you know, so there was a lot of, of um, there are a lot of different things going on all at the same time at that period. That's, it sounds like it was a really exciting time for harmonica, and, and I think that we're we're probably benefiting now quite quite a lot from the, the harmonica being improved in that that era. And I think out of the box harmonicas are probably a, a yeah. lot better now because of that. Um, I, I'd love to chat about about your custom harmonicas because you you've been you've been doing the the custom harmonica thing ever since kind of the early 90s isn't it yes. um what, what don't don't give away the trade secrets but what what are the main things that you do to improve uh, a kind of out of the box marine band what's the the premise yeah well the the main thing is getting the the reed to sit in the slot in the right place um there are, and there's there's a gap around the reed 
that you can close up a little bit with the, the process called embossing. And then there is the, the way the reed sits against the reed plate and you shape it in different ways, depending on the thick, the relative thickness and thinness of the reed and length of the reed. So it's like dialing in the action on a guitar. Mm -hmm. You just, you get, you get the reed to sit in the right place and everything gets better. I mean, you know, that's, you know, and you also just make sure that everything else is, it, 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 uh, a lot of it is just making sure that the comb and the reed plates fit right. Mm -hmm. There's no air leaking anywhere between chambers or out the back or whatever. And then you get the reeds in the right place and um, it just takes off. Interesting. And and do you, are you, are you kind of uh, fastidious about tuning as well? Because I, I know that's something that a lot of people get, get really into um various just intonations and uh you know, various eras of tuning schemes what what's your take on that um well the harmonica is uh you know especially the blues harmonica is built around the chords mm -hmm. so you got to make the chords sound good and so the way you tune the harmonica gives you that uh, pure sounding chord and that in that first octave, which is really the where, you know, probably 80% of what you're doing as a blues harmonica player, maybe more, is happening. So and you and you're playing a, and and uh, traditional playing involves a lot of double stops and octaves. So the octaves have to be in tune. And, um, you know, so to make it sound good for traditional playing requires that you, you really have to tune it carefully to get smooth chords and the octaves all in tune. Mm -hmm. And then that involves trade-offs with the melody notes. And, uh, and then if you're tuning it for overblows, then you also have some other tweaks that you do to get the melody notes so that if you're playing in like 12th position using draw five as your root, you want to have that up to pitch mm -hmm. and then you have to adjust the other notes around that. Interesting. So I, I, this probably leads quite well into a question from one of my students. Uh, John wants to know about the value of having harmonicas set up for overblows. Uh, and, and he's asking most specifically about the six overblow uh, where he says that he can get it, but it's tricky and it has a bit of a squeaky quality. Uh, so what exactly will customization improve? And in general, what are the benefits of having a harmonica set up? Um, I think the the biggest thing about um, customizing and, and setting the action and, and getting a harmonica balanced out is that it you can get the kind of effects you want at a lower volume with less effort. Mm -hmm. You know, so a good, a decent custom harmonica, if I play like the, the draw bends. <laughs> can get the overblows and and the draw notes and make them sound a lot closer to the sound of the um the built-in notes mm -hmm. 
um, if if the harmonica is not very well adjusted, uh, the bends and the overblows take more effort and they sound breathier and they they tonally they sound differently than the other notes uh, to to a greater you know degree. And do you think that uh, it 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 makes it easier for someone to learn how to do these techniques? Uh, with with a, a properly set up instrument or do you think there's value uh, I, I remember reading a, a thing that Jason Ritchie said about learning to overblow on harmonicas in the in the 80s and and just how it was like you know pushing the harmonica up the stairs uh, mm. it was so difficult to do do you think there's value in working on a harder to play instrument or or would you recommend that a beginner just go straight for the custom um there's value in both and one thing you can do is um, if, you, if you're working with a stock harmonica and you want to just really, uh, you just want to get the, 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 the overblows like in four, five, and six to happen, is take the, the, uh, the, take the lower cover plate off. And then like you're playing four, and you go for the overblow, and as you go for the overblow, put your finger on the draw reed. Did I get that right? No, you put your finger on the blow reed. I'm sorry. Yeah, you put your finger on the blow reed, and it closes it off, and it makes the overdraw a lot easier to pl- mm-hmm. overblow a lot. E- the terminology drives me nuts. Uh, <laughs> it gets you. You get that overblow to pop in mm-hmm. better. Um, Actually, I have a screwdriver. I can demonstrate that. Take the cover plate off of something. So, and this is one way to just get, you know, to just get the notes. And then you lift your finger off and see if you can sustain it. And that, you know, that, that is a good way to, to, uh, to get started. You know, can you You know, when you put your finger on the blow note, you can over you know, I mean, you can really oh, yeah. crazy stuff. And that's kind of the idea behind the, you know, there's that overdrive harmonica with little, you know, it kind of looks like a cross between an ocarina and a harmonica. Yeah finger on holes and that's the idea behind that but that but you know if you if you can play the um the the overblows on a stock heart the other thing is if you just use a toothpick to make the reeds sit a little closer and experiment with that you can also get started on adjusting the reeds a little bit and that will help a lot with getting those overblows and the overdraws is just gently bringing the reed down. And, and of course, you want to do this on a beater harmonica first. But, but just try it. Just get the reeds closer and then try your techniques again. And if you get it too close, it blanks out. Then you open it up a little bit and then you just keep playing with that. And that will give you the ability uh, to, to get the overblows faster, but it also give you a little bit of 
uh, you know, get get you started on doing some of your own adjustments. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's really useful advice. And also, I, I want to reiterate that the, you do this on a beta hub. Don't don't do it on your brand new, super nice, expensive, whatever. Right. Experiment on something you don't care about. Um, so you you've done a lot of educational material about basically what you do when you customize a harmonica uh, it feels like you're very open about sharing uh, what could quite easily be uh, you know the, the secret source um, is that something that you feel quite strongly about being open about well I, it's like anything else uh, whatever you teach you get better at and I've always wanted to push myself as a musician and a technician. And so teaching uh, has, has, has made me think a lot more clearly about what I'm doing when I work on the harmonicas. It makes the work more interesting. And, uh, you know, when I put together that one series of videos, uh, that, 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 uh, the Hot Rod Your Harmonica series, and I filmed all that. I had to decide, how am I going to show people what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And it really forced me to get a lot more clear-headed about what I was doing. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think all of the basic, uh, all of the basic techniques I cover in those videos. I mean, that's really this, you know, what people used to call the secret sauce. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, it was kind of like held, uh, you know, people tried to keep it. You know, I could see the, the writing on the wall a long time ago that it was going to get out anyhow. Mm -hmm. And and that it was, you know, I, I'd rather be giving people good, correct information. You know, I was also horrified at a lot of the ideas that other people came up with. You know, talk about destroying harmonicas. Uh -huh. You know, oh, I, I've I've tried all sorts of things in my uh, my quest for overblows in the early days, mm -hmm. um, but uh, but then then I, just, I kind of gave up and just stuck to very basic things, and that that was the actually practicing the overblows was probably the the best use of of time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can really, uh, you can really go down uh, way too many rabbit holes trying to find a technical solution for uh, practice. Mm. Yeah, I think that that was the thing that it frustrated me was the premise uh, that if if I broke my super well set up harmonica, then I, I couldn't immediately jump onto another one and get basically the same uh, sounds out of it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that that became quite an important thing for me. Uh, not not to kind of uh, say that setting up your harmonica really well isn't a positive thing, but I think it's it is useful being able to jump to an out of the box harmonica when Absolutely. you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're playing a gig and and you got to grab something that's not set up, you know, top notch, you you better be able to do what you do. Yeah. You know? Awesome. Well, Richard, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on and uh, and and chatting with me today. Um, be before we we say goodbye, is there anything that you want uh, people to to check out? I'm going to be linking up your uh, your harmonica school and Hot Rod your harmonicas. Is there anything uh, else that you want to tell people about, or where they can find out more about you? 
Well, sure. Um, you know, my website is hotrodharmonicas.com, and I publish uh, I, I publish blogs there. Um, I also have an email newsletter that I that you can sign up for there, and I you know I put out ideas all the time through that medium. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Um, and you can find it by just put using, you know, Richard Slay harmonica. Actually, I have two YouTube channels. I, my, my original one got away from me and it's like this, this orphan that I can't log into anymore. And it's got some of my older videos and someday I might rescue it. Somebody sent me a bunch of instructions on how to do that, but it's out there. And my, my current, uh, channel is out there as well and um you know i sell the video my videos uh my harp tweaking videos as downloads uh at the webs at the heart rod harmonica's website um and also my custom harps and my you can read up about them and my tools and i started the 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 harmonica school uh and i'm still working on I've, I've got like three or four different versions of the next course and i haven't settled down and nailed it down i'm going to do one on irish music i'm going to do another one on music theory using only the the built-in notes of the harmonica for example nice and you know so i i uh, probably uh, at this point I'm, i'll say i'm 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 good for uh an email at least twice a month. I was trying to do it every week. And same with the videos on, on YouTube. Uh, and I had a pretty good streak once a week, but I'm, I'm going to kind of like probably cut back a little bit on that uh, just to keep the quality up. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'll be at the spa convention this year. The, it, it will be online. So that'll be that, and a lot of other great people are going to be there as well. Awesome, very cool. I, I actually, I need to thank you for one. I, I've always enjoyed your videos, but there was one you put out years ago about making your um, your Christmas tunes swing, and <laughs> I, I love that lesson. Uh, I think I think you were you were just kind of hammering home, practicing just with with a two and a four click, and. Uh, that, that, that really helped me to get that, that kind of groove in my playing. So I, I still think about that lesson when I, whenever I'm uh, helping students with, uh, with that kind of swing feel. Um, cool. it's, it's a very good one. I'm going to link that one up as well because, um, yeah, it's a great, great lesson. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for this. It was a, a great pleasure, and uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Catch you later. Alrighty, take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of my Harmonica podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast service of choice. And if you're ready to take your harmonica playing to the next level, then you should check out my online harmonica school over at TomlinHarmonicaSchool.com. Happy harping!